Welcome back to the Modern Cop Podcast solo episode tonight. Did a little Q and A uh, over on Instagram. Well, I did the Q part on Instagram, so I'm going to do the uh, the answer part now. Before I launch into that, as we approach fall, uh, the Good Cops giveaway uh, will be ramping up again. Uh, looking to add some pretty sweet stuff to the uh, to the lineup. Um, and uh, and I'm looking forward to working with some pretty awesome people, some people that uh, that you saw on the last go around, uh, and then hopefully some uh, some new organizations as well. Uh, if you have any interest in sponsoring the podcast or uh, 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 donating to the podcast, and but you know I understand nothing is uh, nobody works for free, uh, so we are uh, uh, there. I go with my we again. I think that's my biggest issue. I say we when I'm talking about me. I'm sure there's some sort of psychological issue there. Anyways, um, uh, this podcast is north of 10,000 downloads uh, over the last two years with uh, the vast majority of that occurring uh, uh, just last year in 2021, and it is on its way up. So there's my shameless plug uh, for the Modern Cop podcast. And if you've got any ideas on what you want to see in the giveaway, uh, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Um, uh, you can send an email to bluelinemillennial at gmail.com. I still haven't uh, still haven't changed it over. Once I get uh, uh, monetization going, um, then I will. It's $120 for the uh, the email address. You know, it'd be like Kevin at themoderncoppodcast.com. So, uh, for right now, still using the old email address, uh, head over there. I do not uh, check it nearly as frequently as I need to. Uh, so if you are on social media, hit me up on Instagram at the modern cop podcast. Uh, and let me know what you want to see in the giveaway. Um, my, my rules for the giveaway, I might be a little bit more strict this year. Um, the whole point of the giveaway is to get goods and equipment and gear and some swag uh, over to cops who work for agencies that don't give them shit. Um, agencies where you have to buy your own gun, you got to buy your own vest, you got to buy your own boots, your own uniform, your gun belt. Like they issue you your taser and your squad car, and that's about the extent of it. Um, I can't shit on all the agencies for that. It's not the agency's fault. We've got city councils and county supervisors uh, still, still deciding that, uh, that they don't need to properly fund their law enforcement, uh, for whatever reason, or they're doing the best that they can. I mean, genuinely, there are plenty of counties that, uh, they just don't have a whole lot of, uh, of income and, uh, and, and money to work with. So that's who it's targeted for. Um, if, uh, if you work for my agency or you work for some of the other agencies around the Valley, like I will, I will be doing doing a little bit of research and, and vetting people this go around uh, so that uh, this stuff goes to people who truly do need it uh, because they otherwise would go without. So that is the the whole point to uh, the hashtag good cops giveaway. So let me know. Uh, drop me a comment. Send me a DM over Instagram and uh, look for that starting up in the fall. I will do. Uh, the run-up and the collection of donation items, or at least the organization of donation items. I'm not going to have somebody ship something to me when they could just drop ship it from their location straight to the winner. A lot of people uh, 
did that last time around. Uh, several organizations did that, and I think that's just way easier uh, to just handle it kind of in-house. That way, you're, there's no point in in the the dwell time from sending it to Arizona, from you know the East Coast or wherever, California over on the West, whatever the case may be, and then I send it from Arizona inevitably back to you know the Midwest or the the Northeast or the South or whatever. So. That's all I got for that. Just wanted to give you a quick update on that. So just a handful of questions uh, tonight, but they're questions that I can uh, expand upon. And I'm going to not attempt to say some of these Instagram handle. Y'all wild with your Instagram handle names. I don't really know how to pronounce some of these. Yasin Hein. Uh, I think that's correct. I could be completely wrong. Uh, do you think that society nowadays could affect Elio's decisions uh, hesitating when using when using legal lethal force as an example. Yes, absolutely. You're seeing it. You've been seeing it since 2014. They call it the Ferguson effect. Um, and there are co- plenty of cops out there who will hesitate to take enforcement action. Not not even lethal force, just plain old enforcement action, um, based off of somebody's gender, uh, somebody's race, somebody's ethnicity. Uh, somebody's status within the community. It's, I would say that it's happened for decades. Uh, even I would say over a century now it is, it is wild to me. I'm listening to a book on John Dillinger, uh, right now called the Dillinger days, which if you heard my episode about Melvin Purvis, which I try to squeeze those history time episodes into like 30 minute increments, uh, rabbit hole moment. Um, my 30 minute episode on Melvin Purvis uh, doesn't even touch some of the wild details of John Dillinger's life. So check out Dillinger days. Uh, if you are at all uh, inclined to uh, learn about uh, some good old fashioned American gangsters. But if you go back a hundred years, there were cops that wouldn't take enforcement action because the person that they were apprehending uh, or, or contacting was uh the son of a governor or a senator or a congressman or a mayor or something along those lines. And now I think there's maybe less of a, uh, do you know who my daddy is? Uh, and it has certainly, uh, fallen, fallen to the wayside, um, because people are just cops don't want to have, their driveways lit on fire and they don't want to be doxxed on the internet. Um, and they don't want to have their face dragged through the fucking mud of social media and the American news media, uh, who have never, ever, ever shown any sort of inclination towards bias. No, never. Um, and I don't blame them, man. I, 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 I get it. Um, but you still have a job to do. And as long as you do your job and you are within policy and you are within the law, uh, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Uh, I will eventually have uh, Matt Degas on here uh, from La Mesa Police Department. Well, not not anymore, but uh, he got fired from La Mesa PD uh, for uh, just some bullshit use of force complaint when he hardly even used any force. Uh, And of course, had the subject fucking listened to him to begin with, it wouldn't, it would be a non-issue. You know, let's, let's come back to uh, accountability in America. If I ever ran for president, which 
I'm not nearly narcissistic enough to do that. But I think uh, accountability in America would be my tagline. And that's why I wouldn't get the vote because uh, it's easier to blame other people for your problems. Uh, so yes, uh, society uh, can and will and has been affecting uh, police officers' decision-making. Uh, I think now it is just much more uh, apparent because everybody's got a high-definition camera and access to the planet in their pocket. You could film something right now, put it on YouTube, put it on Facebook, and my cousin in England would text me about it 15 minutes later asking me what the deal is. So the speed at which information and subsequently misinformation or disinformation travels nowadays is astonishing. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got the reach and the capability. And everybody's got the ability to, uh, you know, maybe alter perceptions. There's a great picture uh, that demonstrates this. And I actually think I saw it originally on an article about ethics and journalism, because uh, there are still journalists out there who understand uh, what what ethics means. Um, and there's a picture from the Vietnam War of a like the barrel of an M16 in this POW's face, like North Vietnamese or Viet Cong POW's face. Um, and it's just a close up image and it made fucking headlines. And it looks like, inevitably, the M16, the American rifle, um, it looks like some American soldier is about to execute an enemy prisoner of war. But when you're shown the entire image, which was later released, the M16 is slung over the soldier's shoulder. It just happens to be dangling uh, at an angle to where it, it, it was more or less in front of the POW's face. It's slung over the, the soldier's shoulder. Try saying that five times fast. And there's another soldier who's uh, given this guy water from a canteen. And it looks like the close-up image, you see the guy who his like, eyes are, are shut and his mouth is open and it looks like he's screaming, but it's actually he's getting water uh, to drink uh, from these two soldiers who are helping him. Uh, so you can easily shift public perception uh, by, by zooming in. Right. And and of course, not showing the full picture. So, yes, to answer your, uh, your question, absolutely. Society is affecting cops ability to do their jobs. The cop. Needs to understand. Again. Policy. Case law, constitutional law, uh, and you have to know when you're in when you're in the right, uh, it's not going to be. You took out a suicide bomber. And now you're getting a ticker tape parade through Times Square. That's not the one that's going to come under fire. What's going to come under fire is uh, you saw the gun, your axe on camera uh, due to technological limitations. When somebody views that, the camera can't see the gun. And so now it's essentially your word against somebody else's word, IA, uh, the investigation's. Uh, unit, the bystander who was standing at one ankle or one angle, excuse me, crouching down behind a car and couldn't see anything. And it, it may look like you just smoked somebody because they were running away from you when in fact you saw a gun come out. Um, you have to know 
right from wrong. And you have to be confident in your skills and abilities. So, uh, yeah, no, good question. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Society and, and kind of the way that the world is moving is affecting the investigations that, uh, or excuse me, is affecting our ability to conduct investigations and make even simple citizen contacts. A partner of mine had to request assistance from an outside agency, and that agency's first question after he'd explained everything, and, and uh, we investigate sex crimes, typically heinous crimes. There are not very many people who defend those. I'm not talking about the defense attorney who ultimately has to defend it, but there are not that many people who say, who come to the defense of the person who uh, uh, molested a child or, or raped a woman behind a bar. Um, and this other agency's first question was what the ethnicity of the suspect is. And when my partner told them, they said, no, they weren't going to do it. Uh, so that was, uh, that was pretty jarring. It was weird to hear a police department tell, uh, another police department, sorry, we're not going to help you because of the color of that person's skin because they just don't want the bad press. I'll let that sink in and I'm going to drink my old fashioned here really quick. Today's old fashioned is brought to you by 1792 small batch. My wife got it for me. It's super tasty. I highly recommend it. I think it's like under 40 bucks. Go find it. Um, if anybody's got a line on some E.H. Taylor in the valley, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, next question. What would you recommend for someone who is interested in becoming a police officer to do? So that's a loaded question, right? So that's like um, somebody asking a, a, a mechanic, hey, how does a car go forward? There, That one I could do an hour to two, maybe even three or four hour episode on that. So I will boil it down to uh, you need to be prepared. And again, that's like the mechanic telling the person, well, you put it in drive. Uh, so what I say with uh, you need to be prepared, what do you recommend for someone who is interested in becoming a police officer to do? You need to be physically and mentally prepared to do this job. Um, the physical preparation, only you can achieve that, right? So somebody cannot impart physical preparation upon you. Ultimately, you can have a fitness coach, you can have a nutrition coach, uh, which fitness and nutrition kind of go hand in hand, uh, coming from the guy who's drinking an old fashioned and who had a donut earlier today. Um, I would I would strongly recommend finding a nutritionist and, and working with them. Uh, understand that some people are out there selling snake oil, uh, but you get that anywhere. Um, and start taking your physical fitness seriously if you are not already and Try to look into what the academy is like in your area. Uh, I was looking at the, I'm going to screw up the name, like the Montana Law Enforcement Physical Fitness Standards uh, for uh, reasons. I'm not leaving Arizona. I was thinking about it. Um, and Montana was really the only place I was wanting to go. Um, but uh, my wife was not a huge fan of that idea. So maybe we'll try again later. Um but I was looking at what their physical fitness standards are uh, in their PT test. Now, the, the physical fitness test that an uh, agency administers is a usually a standardized test. Uh, in Arizona, we, well, I can't speak for everybody. My agency uses the Cooper physical fitness test. And then at the academy, uh, we conducted the POPAT or the police officer physical agility test. Uh, so both of those are good sort of baseline measurements. 
the the Pope hat is more like an obstacle course or like a high intensity interval workout. Um, and the Cooper test is a lot like what you would see if you were going into the military in that there's a run, there's pushups and there's sit-ups. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Push-ups, sit-ups and run. I think that's it for the Cooper test. Um, get yourself into some of that hit workouts those high intensity interval trainings that, uh, I enjoyed those workouts the most when I was in the Academy, I hadn't ever really been exposed to them before that. Uh, and, and I love those because they seemed way more practical than running five miles on South mountain, uh, or the mountain range near the Academy that I attended the Phoenix Academy. Um, and it's a it's the Phoenix Academy, but at the time agencies from around, uh, Arizona were sending officers, uh, or, or recruits there, I should say. Um, uh, I don't plan on chasing anybody five miles along a mountain range. That's not anything I want to do. It doesn't sound like any fun. And uh, I can only think of a handful of uh, occasions where the juice would be worth the squeeze. Uh, dogs are faster than me. Helicopters are faster than me. Uh, if you're in the wilderness, uh, there's a lot of shit out there that will kill you long before you get found by the police. So, that didn't really seem applicable. Uh, whereas your, you know, 100 to like 300 yard dash, uh, that's and and getting over a wall or a fence, usually a six foot wall and a six foot fence, um, hopping over uh, sawhorses to simulate like low walls. Arizona has a lot of uh, those like retaining walls or little pony walls uh, in some of the older neighborhoods and people's front yards. Uh, whereas all the backyards, all of our walls generally are cinder block or uh, wooden gates, wooden fences. Uh, and then we've got our, you know, chain link fences, just like everybody else. So it's, it's a practical application to what's in your environment. But again, that is a minimum standard. Um, so you need to be able to don't just meet minimum standards. You never want to be the person that meets minimum standards, seek to exceed the minimum standards, uh, because your reputation starts before the academy, your reputation starts in whatever hiring process you go through and whatever pre-academy training you go through, and then it stays with you uh, the rest of the way. And and you want to build on a positive reputation. Uh, get, as far as the mental preparedness goes, that's where you've got to get out uh, on a ride along with your agency. At least one, uh, if you can squeeze it, if not, if not more than one. The agency that I work for, I think I went out twice before I got hired and then once directly before the academy. Um, and the reason for that is that you do not know what you are getting yourself into. Uh, the recruiting posters, everybody's smiling or you, the, the, the canine unit is there looking serious with his dog. He's got a tongue hanging out of his mouth or the SWAT guys are on the, uh, you know, they're on the recruiting poster looking like they're going to go, bust some heads or, or, you know, take on a high risk warrant or what have you, uh, all good and well and fine. Those pictures are mostly taken in a controlled environment. Uh, you know, Hey, one, two, three smile. So get out there with the patrol officers and really find out what the agency is like and find out what they're dealing with. And you'll get, uh, you'll get an inclination just going to calls for service. And hopefully the person that you're assigned to ride with, uh, is not afraid of proactivity, uh, or, you know, they, at least they're, they're not afraid to go out and make a traffic stop or, or stop somebody, you know, uh, well, technically most bike related issues, I think are traffic violations, but they're not afraid to go out and make stops and, and get out. My, my biggest pet peeve 
my biggest single piece of advice when it comes to being a cop is that uh, uh, people do still need us. Uh, the community still wants you there. Uh, and you cannot build relationships from behind a windshield. The The whole community policing is is a fun catchphrase, but there are so many parts to that um, that we're not going to get into right now. I would say also have a clear inclination as to why you want to be a police officer. Really understand your why. Um, some of the best training that I ever got uh, is, we, you know, you ask a question, uh, hey, I don't know why we're doing it this way. And somebody says, okay, well, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do this this way. And some supervisors or some instructors will leave it at that. Hey, you are going to do X, Y, Z. Then the better supervisors, the better trainers, the better instructors say, hey, you're going to do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z because of ABC. Uh, that is also something that you as a prospective recruit and a uh, prospective candidate for law enforcement need to, you need to be able to sit there and for anywhere from seven to 10 minutes in an interview, tell me why you want to be a cop and you need to believe every word that you're saying. Don't just feed me a line of bullshit because it sounds good because you watched, you know, end of watch and training day and, uh, you know, that SWAT movie with Colin Farrow was really fucking cool. Uh, and I just want to drive fast and go mock Jesus with my hair on fire uh, to, uh, you know, a little old lady crossing the street. Really have it narrowed down. Take the time to shit. Turn the radio off in your car when you're driving to work every morning uh, or driving to school and speak out loud. Answer some of those interview questions that you will expect, um, which you will know some of those by doing ride alongs. And by doing that, uh, you are going to be that much more well-prepared when it comes time to the interview. You're going to be able to speak with conviction because you've truly sat and thought about why you want to be a cop. And you've justified all the reasons in your head. And that's really all that matters. As long as you're in it for the right reason. If you're sitting there like, you know what? I got fucking bullied in high school, so watch me get this badge on my chest. Fuck off. Go somewhere else. I don't want you in my career. I don't want you anywhere near a uniform. But if you truly feel as though God or Krishna or the alien lizard lords put you on this planet to be a police officer, to be of service to others, then say that. Maybe don't say the lizard lord part. You might get laughed at, but you can you know keep that part inside. Um, uh, so that's, let's see, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I, the college degree thing's not necessary. Um, I have a four-year degree. The just the start contrast in in uh, it'll be six years in November. Um, but to, you know, just in the last six years, I tested against like 700 people, and you really needed a college degree to be competitive and to stand out. And now, you know. You test 700 people for four spots, and now we're testing 20 people for 15 spots. Um, and if you've never been through a police hiring process, usually the way it works, not to dissuade anybody from putting in or, or to scare you. Um, but there's about a 50% attrition rate at each level. Physical fitness test, boom, 50% aren't going to make it. Written test, boom, 50% aren't going to make it. Uh, the background investigation, boom, 50% of people aren't going to make it. Uh, the interview process, boom, 50% of people aren't going to make it. And so you can really see how you start to narrow that field. 
Um, you need to make sure that, that, uh, keep your nose clean literally and figuratively. Um, but if you've, if you fucked up in the past, if you've done anything wrong, if you've committed a crime, own it, don't try to hide it. It will come out at some point in time. People out there, even with all the knowledge, I'm not the only police based podcast giving people this advice. I'm not the only, uh, uh, police department recruiter having these candid conversations with people. It will come out and you will get fired. And you may get fired at the academy in front of all your uh, fellow recruits, which is super embarrassing. Uh, you may have your badge pinned on your chest only to find out two months later that you no longer get to have a badge on your chest because the department found out about your shady shenanigans that you didn't report on your background check or on your background questionnaire and it came out. Uh, or you were otherwise a great candidate, but you decided to lie in your polygraph. That is what the polygraph is designed to find out. And your polygrapher has probably been doing it for a minute. So, or even if they haven't, the polygraph has been around for a long time. I know some people say it's like, you know, black magic, right? Like it, there's, there's something to it. It's, it's, uh, it's inconsistent. We don't get to, at the level that I'm at and the level that you asking that question are at the, the polygraph is going to exist for some agencies. Uh, it, it's nerve wracking, right? I sat through it. It sucks. I've sat through two of them. Um, cause I went through two hiring processes with, with my agency. Uh, just be honest. It sucks being honest. Sometimes it can be super uncomfortable. Uh, but police officers are held to a higher standard. Your word means more in a court of law than Anybody else is a defense attorney will get on the stand. Well, they won't get on the stand, but they will stand in front of the hot seat and they will put on this show, this grand theatric presentation about why their poor client was wronged by you. And you are expected to sit there and speak gospel and just be honest. And the judge and the jury are supposed to be able to confidently take your word at face value. And that all starts before you become a cop. Just be straight with people. That and and do that on the road, right? When you're in patrol or you're in investigations, uh, look, there are some times where you may omit things to to suspects, right? Like, oh no, we haven't talked to that person yet when in fact you just got a full confession from the other person who was doing the robbery. Uh, or, or, you know, insert scenario here. Um, but you are expected to be accountable uh, and uphold the honor and integrity that the badge comes that the badge comes with. Um, and that all starts by by being honest and accountable before you get the badge. So to summarize all of that, get your PT standards set find out what the minimum standards are for your state uh find your state's post standards police officer standards and training find out what what their physical fitness requirements are if they have them listed find out what your agency requires those will be somewhere find them and then exceed those minimum standards mentally prepare yourself for this job and understand that you need to be accountable at every level. Uh, I, I would also strongly recommend those of you who uh, who are married and going into this job or you're engaged, uh, you have a serious uh, relationship, whatever the case may be, uh, even, you know, married or just having the conversation with your family, right? Uh, 
your parents, uh, you know, whoever you are closest with, the expectations and the realities of a career as a police officer. Your shift does not end simply because the clock strikes midnight. And that's your usual going home time because you know what? At 11.58, you're going to be unloading your Tahoe and you're going to get hot-toned over the radio because one of your guys is in a shooting or there's a, a, a drowning at the, you know, the community one mile away from your police station. And God damn it, you're the only one. You're closest and your car is still mostly loaded, so you got to go. Um, if you think to yourself right now, you're like, oh, let's see, I'm unloading my car and... I hear shots fired, 998, 999, uh, or I hear, hey, not suspect, hey, victim uh, medical call, victim drowning uh, in a community lake, or uh, maybe you have a real lake. We don't, I don't have a real lake uh, where where I work. Uh, Water is is a commodity here in in the valley. Um, But if you you sit there and, and don't honestly, and again, it's on you to be honest with yourself. If you're like, no, I'd go home. There's other people on that can take care of that. I don't know if this is the right career for you. That is a standard that I hold for myself. Uh, should I ever become a supervisor, that is a standard I will hold for the people who uh, work for me. Because when you set that standard, other people will abide by it. Or it makes it very clear who doesn't abide by that standard. And again, that... Somebody knows that. Somebody's paying attention. Even if nobody else is around, you key up, you hit the button on the uh, on the computer in the car, you go when other people don't. That stands out. People do notice that. Um, and not for like accolades. Don't come into this job so that you can wear a fruit salad ribbon rack on your chest. Um, but when it comes to you're going to test for a specialty position against the person who, when those tones dropped, clicked their radio off and just went inside and then went home. Whereas you went out and did your work. People, people know that shit. So have a really honest conversation with your, uh, uh, with your spouse and with your family, uh, about what is expected. It is wildly inconvenient. Uh, sometimes this job, but the inconvenience it should feel selfish to call it inconvenience because we don't control when people call 911. We don't have any control over people committing crimes and and committing heinous acts against their fellow human beings. The only thing that we control is our response. And your family needs to understand, hey, I'm going to go. Because that is that is who you are as a person. That's an honest conversation you've had with yourself. So uh, that's hopefully I answered that question for you. Um, like I said, honestly, I, I mean, we, I could get three other cops in here and we could roundtable that for several hours. Uh, Busted Lip Fitness. I really like that, uh, that vanity name on Instagram. That's pretty good. Uh, see any 40-year-olds slash retired male guys just starting on the job? Yeah, so hang on. Old-fashioned time. Got it. Got to wet my whistle there for a second. Um, yes, there was a 46. I think he was 46. 45 or 46 year old uh, uh, long haul trucker in my academy class. And he ended up, he pulled himself, uh, as I recall, uh, 
only because he was making way more money as a long haul truck driver than he was ever going to make as a police officer. Um, but that dude was a smoker, 45, 46 years old as a truck driver, uh, had been a truck driver for over 20 years. And he was consistently in the front, I would say like the front third of the pack in like these long mountain runs that we would do. Um, the dude was, was honestly, he was a rock star. It was a fucking inspiration is what he was. Um, I can't remember his name. Otherwise I'd give him a shout out right now. I could see his face clear as day. Um, but no, that dude was, that dude was awesome. Uh, and he became a He wanted a career change and he wanted to do something worthwhile. Um, but it, it does to a, at a point it becomes a numbers game. Like that's a very practical, uh, another, another one of those discussions you have to have. You may be leaving a job where you were making more money than you would be as a police officer. Uh, me, it was the opposite. I was, I was damn near tripling my income becoming a police officer. Um, so, uh, yeah, but he, that dude did amazing things, uh, in the Academy. He, uh, again, it was legit. It was awe inspiring to watch this dude like PT and keep up with the rest of us in our early twenties, uh, retired mill guys. There were, there were a bunch of my Academy class. Um, three out of our four team leaders were, uh, were retired military. Um, I asked one of them had been in the Marine Corps. What, what he thought from the academy to like Marine Corps boot camp, and his take was essentially, uh, it's some things are similar, not the same, but similar. Um, but it's a different kind of stress because police academies, there's an academic component to it. Um, I've never been in the military, but kind of the the vibe that I got from him and what he was explaining is is you don't have that same stress in a military boot camp. Um, military boot camp, you, you spend the night at is your entire life for eight to 12 weeks. Um, police academies, uh, going back to just looking at Montana, which I was doing a couple weeks ago, their police academies, 12 weeks, I think, uh, if anybody's listening from Montana and I get that wrong, please correct me. Um, my academy was 21 weeks and I believe they're up to 25. Now you will see academies that before too long, you're going to be in a police academy for, the better part of 12 months. Uh, it, it's going to happen. So uh, it's it's just from what I understand, it's a little bit different for the military uh, veterans coming through that usually there's no issues for the physical fitness component, especially if they literally EAS'd the week prior um, and, or, or, you know, within the last year, you've still maintained a, a level of physical fitness. You're used to getting up early. Uh, you're, you're, that that sort of it's now becoming kind of cliche, but you're comfortable being uncomfortable, um, depending on what your MOS or your uh, your rate was in the military, depending on what branch you were in. You're you may be very comfortable in defensive tactics. You may be very comfortable with firearms. You may be comfortable driving a vehicle. Um, it it kind of all just depends on what your job was. You may be very comfortable uh, academically. You know, I've seen military officers come through. There's a guy that works for uh, works for my agency who was a captain in the Marine Corps, and now he is bottom of the totem pole uh, as uh, as a uh, a new officer with next to zero seniority. So, uh, it's definitely doable. Uh, again, it's just going to be a little bit different, uh, especially for for uh, those of you in combat arms. Your rules of engagement. Here, CONUS are much, much 
more strict uh, than they were over in uh, over in Afghanistan or Iraq or uh, you know wherever else bad guys live. So I, I was talking to another dude that I work with who'd been in, uh, he was a Marine Corps infantryman, and I was like, hey dude, why don't you go into SWAT? And his response was, uh, A, I've done all that stuff already, and B, um, if I started taking rounds, I may revert back to, uh, like, I think he was in in like 2009, so I think that was around the time of the surge, and he's like, and, and that shit's illegal here, like, I can't just... I can't just dump rounds into a, a second story window, uh, not knowing what else is up there. This isn't a combat zone. This is the United States of America. It's, it's a very, very different, uh, application of force. So, um, and I've heard that from a couple other military dudes, you know, that seem to be a shoe in for, for SWAT, like, Oh, you know, the, the SWAT sergeants are like, Hey, you got a skill set we can capitalize on. You, you know, your ass from a hole in the ground, you know, what's up. Uh, we want you to come out and test. And they're like, uh, kind of already worn all the body armor I want to and uh, carried the heavy ass equipment like uh, I'm good. So don't be afraid if, if uh, you know, to just be upfront about that. If that's uh, if that's the case, uh, the other side of the coin is you probably do have a lot of valuable experience that you can bring over. Um, uh, you've certainly got a lot of life experience that that uh, like somebody like me just doesn't have. I wasn't in the military, so. Uh, by all means, if you're north of 40 and you're a military veteran uh, and or either of those things uh, and you want to you want to shoot your shot and become a cop, have at it. More than likely, you've kept your nose clean and, and you've you know, you've had a good military career. The shit that you get like NJP for uh, and maybe Article 15 for isn't necessarily something that would be. Like a violation of law, I don't again, I don't know a whole lot about the military justice system, Um but the way that I've heard talk about way that I've heard people talk about NJPs and article 15s is, is some for some superfluous stuff. Uh, some of it's legit. Uh, some of it's bad shit that you, you should not do uh, certainly in, in the civilian world, either all that kind of stuff though, even if it's military discipline, uh, uh, you know, court martial captain's mask, whatever the case may be, make sure that you're upfront about it. Again, it just comes down to that accountability, but by all means, dude, uh, if you are uh if you're over 40 or you're a military veteran and you want to be a cop, have at it. I fully support you. Shoot me a message. We'll talk. Um, and if you were in the, I'm not over 40 and I'm not a military veteran, but I know people who are both of those things. So I, if I don't have an answer for you, I know somebody who will. So hopefully uh, at Busted Lip Fitness, hopefully that answered your question. Uh, I won't say this guy's vanity name because he's got, because of the nature of his question, uh, new guy with a very reactive department, any tips with handling this? Uh, so I, I did reach out to him. Oh, here we go. Um, I'm just gonna, just gonna read this real quick. Talks amongst yourselves quietly. Okay. So, uh, working for an agency where anything proactive or being a go-getter is, is looked down upon unless you're in some sort of special unit. Um, wanting to change things and improve upon normal practices or, or change those practices is not something that's accepted in this officer's department. Uh, being lazy or does the, somebody who does the bare minimum is perfectly okay with leadership. Uh, being a new officer with less than a year on the department is very draining and try not to fall into that trap. My guy, it might be time for you to, uh, to look elsewhere. Now, the shitty thing about being a federal police officer 
is because the United States has no set national standard for law enforcement training and education, even though we're all pretty close and we're pretty much alike, um, your federal time does not count towards non-federal law enforcement. Uh, your FLETC Academy does not count towards any other uh, state or city academy um, or, or county. Um, your time, it just doesn't really matter. At my agency, once you get through probation, if you did however many years that you did, if those correspond to hash marks on the sleeve, we let you put hash marks on the sleeve and would change your serving since year to the year that you started your law enforcement career. Um, but those are the only two ways that we ever even acknowledge your prior federal law enforcement service. If I think federal law enforcement is a vastly different animal. So at my agency, every year we do something called relationship by objective, which I first heard about in, in relations to uh, fire departments. It's basically where your association, uh, don't call it a union, uh, where your association uh, puts out a request for, hey, what do you want to see change? And there's like a meet and confer, uh, uh, you know, event usually held off site. It might be held in your department. Again, it depends. Uh, ours is held off site. Uh, uh, it's even held out of county. Um, and it's a very sort of casual, uh, hey, we want to, we want beards and we want to be able to show our sleeve tattoos. That's something that comes up in this like meet and confer process. Hey, yeah. Uh, Phoenix PD just pushed out this new, uh, uh, this new financial, it's not a financial plan. They're, they're increasing their pay for officers and we'd like to see our pay rate increase as well. That's kind of the stuff that you talk about at these, uh, RBO relationship by objective meetings. I don't know that the federal law enforcement world has anything like that. Um, because it's a different animal. You answer to a completely different chain of command. Your chain of command goes all the way up through like the Department of Justice um, and Congress, right? Like uh, it's just, uh, it's, you're not just on a different planet. You might as well be in a different universe, my dude. So there's other agencies that you can look at going to, um, you know, you can look at something like, uh, like Border Patrol, uh, though Border Patrol's got its own sort of academy process as well, I think, in addition to Fletzy. I uh, could be could be wrong on that. Um, but you could go, you know, you could work for an agency like the U.S. Forestry Service, or you can work somewhere like the uh, like D.C. Capitol Police. Those are federal law enforcement officers that, that do normal, well, more or less normal police functions. You drive a marked patrol unit. You answer calls for service, but you you stay kind of in and around Capitol Hill. Um, uh, the National Nuclear Security Administration—that's another uh, avenue that you could go to uh, as a federal law enforcement officer. Um, uh, the FBI, though, the FBI is very same with the Secret Service, very investigations heavy. And if you're looking for the jump out squad, um, uh, shoot, man, the uh, State Department. Uh, again, heavy on the, uh, on the investigation side, but, uh, if you read Cody Perrin's book, uh, uh, about his time as a diplomatic security service agent and kind of his, his move through the state department, pretty eye opening, like stuff I never even considered. I never had any, any inclination as to what a police officer for the state department did. The U S marshal service, the, uh, end all be all for pull up, pop out, jump out boys. Um, 
they're they're a great agency if that's what you're wanting to do um the u.s marshal service goes after the worst of humanity right like local and state law enforcement uh uh Fugitive apprehension teams will will do their level best, but if you get somebody jumping state lines or somebody who's just one bad mamma jamma, um, you know the bad guy of all bad guys, it's it's the marshal service that's gonna that's gonna go after him and, and put their ass on the line. So um, certainly other avenues out there for for federal law enforcement. If you were willing to take the plunge and with I would say with under like four or five years, if you can stomach the idea of going back through a, an academy again which part of me would say that, well, you've been through an academy, you know what's coming, you know what to expect. Uh, and truly, as long as you're prepared for an academy, when you look back on it, you know, here, here I am six years later, like I was safe. I made decent money. I accrued a shitload of vacation time because you don't use it when you're in the academy. You can't. Um, and uh, I got in good physical condition and I got a pretty good education out of it. So... And I got to shoot ammunition that I didn't have to pay for and drive cars that I didn't have to put gas in. Well, I had to drive, I had to put gas in the car that I drove to the Academy, but like going out to the driving track and whatnot, uh, like driving fast. I don't, I don't have to pay for those cars. Fuck them up. Don't, but you get what I'm saying. Um, it might be, might be something that you look into a, a local agency, man. If, if you're liking where you live, the, the other, the thing that drew me away from federal service was that my wife and I really didn't want to leave Arizona. Um, we, we talked about it when I was looking at agencies and where I was going to apply. And all I had was a college degree, right? Again, I don't, I didn't have a lot of the, the other, uh, not, not requirements, but the other sort of, uh, nice to haves. Um, I didn't have time in a law enforcement agency prior to that. Like, um, the, uh, Marshall's special operations group or their, uh, or, or like the FBI, uh, HRT, um, they like you to have SWAT experience or, or police experience elsewhere, uh, or a certain amount of time within their respective agencies. And I, I just didn't have any of that 20, 24 years old coming out of, uh, coming out of college. Uh, and I'd been in the pest control field before that. So I was bringing a little bit limited life experience, but the thing that drew me away from that federal service was that like shit, uh, I'd want to work in Arizona. I got family in California. So, okay, I can stomach the idea of California. Uh, Las Vegas is close enough to both Arizona and California. That would be okay. But with my luck, I'd get stuck in like Minot, North Dakota. No offense to the people of beautiful Minot, North Dakota. Um, but no, I don't want any part of that. That sounds miserable. So it might be time for you to look, man, if you're looking for a total change and you, you really want to just, just throw the fucking dice down and, and see what comes of it. Look around, man. All 50 States are a little bit different. Um, Alaska's got some pretty good hiring incentives right now. Uh, if you're looking for proactivity, go somewhere where proactivity is still accepted. Pinal County here in Arizona, uh, dude, it's like a cop's Disneyland. Uh, cause you get drug loads coming North money and guns going South. Um, and you are the law it's you and like some other deputies, but you got to be able to think on your feet and handle your business. Um, uh, certain other agencies, you don't have that luxury. You are, you are there to do what you are told. Uh, your agency is checking boxes and you need to chill out on your proactivity so that we don't make the evening news. So just, I'd say do your homework, man. It, it, 
if it's not something that you're going to be able to change culturally and quite frankly in the world of federal law enforcement i don't know that you're going to be able to make that change um you may want to look at going elsewhere and even leaving federal service altogether because by the time you get into a position where you can make changes within federal law enforcement um Hopefully you've managed to not become the thing you despise, right? What's that line from Batman? You either die a hero or live long enough, live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Uh, uh, you don't want, I, neither of those are good options. I don't want you to die and I don't want you to live, uh, uh, live your life as a villain. So, uh, but by the time you get into some of those senior positions, you've, you've got what, 30, 35 years in service and your priorities have probably changed. Uh, whereas you can come to an agency like the one that I work for and you can go into the relationship by objective or meet and confer process, you know, your first year if you're so inclined. So the options are out there. Uh, I do wish you the best of luck. That's not a struggle that I, I would impart upon anybody. It, it's got to suck too because you worked so hard to get that position and then it just ends up not being at all what you thought it was so it's uh it's a tough one man uh deputy one time uh so for those of you that don't know he he's the uh the chief deputy for the pinal county sheriff's office uh speak of the devil kind of thing uh how does ellie conform or not to the new uh or younger workforce uh and this will uh dropping my phone here i i promise i have not had anywhere near one whole drink this thing is still mostly full um, how does law enforcement conform to newer, younger cops? So I think part of that is that newer, younger cops, uh, need to come in to this job knowing that they don't know anything. Let's just start right there. I'm a millennial, right? The, uh, former name of this podcast was blue line millennial. And then I kind of grew out of that name. Um, that name it, it didn't sit well with some people and it's also extremely hard, not very uh, forward thinking of me. It's extremely hard to market anything where your initials are BLM and you're a cop. So i um, just going to move right past that. Millennials are sort of notorious for I'm going to work a job five years and move on, and do something else. I'm going to work a job three years, move on, and do something else. I think the way that you keep millennials in law enforcement is you give them the opportunities, it's on them to earn the opportunity, but you give them the opportunities to make those, you know, three to five year moves and stay within the agency. Uh, in 2018, I looked at my supervisor who had been a sex crimes detective and I told her she was insane and I was never going to be a sex crimes detective. Spoiler alert, that is now what I've been doing for a year and a half and I love my job. It's taxing. Uh, I will do, I'm sure, an episode on sort of the uh, emotional and mental toll of this job and all of its different uh, levels. I'll bring some other people people in here to talk about that. Um, but the victims that I serve, not to knock property crimes, but there's no matter of or no level of fucking insurance is going to replace what's been taken from the victims that I serve. 
And once I realized that, once I shifted my thought process away from like, hell no, I want nothing to do with those investigations. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about kids getting touched inappropriately. And once I shifted it to, I can be the person that brings justice for these kids who get touched inappropriately. That's a very um, rewarding career. And that's something that even like you will have people within your family, within your friends who maybe don't like cops. I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who spoke ill of the work that I do or, or that we like sex crimes, special victims unit, domestic violence detectives do. Um, it's up there. It's in the same realm as your your homicide detectives. It, it truly is. You don't know that until you get up here. But person's crimes overall um, is a very challenging and a, a very uh, rewarding career path. And I never wanted anything to do with it. And that was just four years ago. Um, yet here I am. I did just shy of four years on the road. And then I've been in, been doing this for a year and a half. And I'll probably do it. You know, I, I might do it for another year and a half to, to two and a half or three years, and then I might go do something else. I can go go back to the road and learn how to be a patrol cop, patrol cop again, and then I can take my patrol experience and my investigations experience, and I can go be a field training officer. And then after that, I can go, uh, you know, road time, investigations time, FTO time. Hey, it might be time to think about promoting to sergeant. Um or there might be another specialty that I want to go into. Maybe I all of a sudden get a, a hair up my ass to go and investigate financial crimes because I'm tired of of this nation's senior citizens getting scammed on the internet. Uh, that truly is something that that makes my fucking blood boil to no end. Is is that people do that uh, to uh, to elderly people? So um, to a point, if you're like in your mid twenties and you're getting taken for a ride because of this like misspelled fucked up grammar Amazon alert on your phone. Like you should know better. Um, but like my 96 year old grandmother wouldn't know the difference and somebody needs to be there to investigate and advocate on their behalf. Anyways, soapbox moment. Um, get, yeah. So given, given the, uh, the, the new crowd, uh, avenues to go every three to five years so that they don't just wander off into the sunset and I don't know, get a forest tattooed on their left arm and become a bartender at a Hilton somewhere. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but we are notorious for, for jumping in and out of career fields. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to sound, this is the most millennial statement I've ever made on this show. Uh, give your officers a voice, give them an opportunity to speak. Um, one thing that, that should be very apparent um, to uh, to those of you who read books like Extreme Ownership or The Dichotomy of Leadership, or you go back to Hal Moore's book on leadership, or you go back even further to, uh, to Dick Winters and Easy Company. Um, the further removed you are, there gets a point where you don't have that 30,000-foot view anymore. The 30,000-foot the view or... Um, uh, maybe what, what I think Jason Redman refers to as the three foot world. Um, you can see what's going on around you and you can get a, excuse me, you can get a pretty good idea of what's taking place around you. When you're at what that 30,000 foot view, you can, you have the, 
the strategic viewpoint as opposed to the tactical viewpoint, right? So you can see the the big picture of what's going on. But when you get so far removed from that 30,000 foot view, which I would say would be like your watch commander, um, uh, you know, your, your lieutenant, uh, your precinct commander, uh, maybe depending on their role and the size of the, of the precinct. Um, but if you're, if you're an assistant chief, a chief, uh, whatever is up and around that area, the sheriff, if your guys and girls, uh, your troops don't come talk to you or you don't at least give them the opportunity to speak, even if it's, you know, Hey, trickle this down through the chain of command. You need to give patrol officers, you know, talk to them, find out what's going on on the road because your patrol officers and your detectives are going to be your best source of information for what, what's happening. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. And this is what, again, okay, this is now the most millennial statement, but what I'm feeling, right? So if I don't feel valued at an agency and I don't feel uh, heard or I don't have the opportunity to speak, um, and it's not just speaking for the sake of bitching or moaning or complaining. You know, it's something it could be something totally superfluous. Hey, we don't have a fan in the locker room and it, it smells like musty dude in there. Can we get a fan? And you're just ignored for something like that. You're going to start to key in on other things where you you are ignored or, or not seen, not heard type of thing. Um, you know, hey, this is even what the community wants from us. But if you get to a point where you're like, I asked for a ceiling fan in the locker room. They won't even like, they just sort of like put their hand up and go away. You don't, you don't rate You're not, you haven't been here long enough to bitch. Um, well, I'm going to start probably noticing other things that just don't sit right with me. Not necessarily in any sort of like legal manner. Um, uh, but like, uh, I don't feel like this agency is a good fit for me anymore. And then you talk to your friends that you went to the academy with or, or, you know, the other officers that you've networked with at conferences and they tell you how badass and cool their agency is. Uh, you're just going to fucking go to the other agency. You're, there's a chance you're going to pick up and leave or you're going to leave law enforcement altogether and you're going to leave with this chip on your shoulder. Of like, nah, no, dude, like law enforcement is an extremely honorable profession. It was a cool job, but fuck this fucking agency that I worked for. Insert a laundry list of complaints here. Um, where I work, we have that meet and confer that I just talked about. Uh, I would say nearly every sergeant that I've worked for has at one point in time or another asked me for my opinion on something, uh, which is not something that I necessarily expected or, or forecasted becoming a police officer. Um, but like, I felt like people gave a shit about me and it made me give a shit about my agency. And then the work that you put forth is the best that you can do. You're constantly striving to learn more. That's another thing I would say, give in, in addition to like giving people the opportunity to, to make moves. I understand staffing's a bitch right now. Try and give your officers the opportunity to like go out to some training somewhere. You may not be able to afford uh, a, a conference in another state, um, but if there's like a local you know, you got a guy who who really loves organized crime and gang investigations. Work with him or her and and find the local gang investigators association or the local um, sex crimes investigations. In Arizona, we have the Arizona. Uh, I'm going to 
screwed up sexual assault investigations network. Um, and we have a conference, a two day conference every year. Um, this, uh, last year we had, uh, Gil Carrillo, uh, speak who, uh, was instrumental in the solving of the night stalker case out in California. They had a Netflix special about it. Super cool to meet him in real life. And you got, I, I felt so much more motivated after leaving just that brief two day conference. And I had, I had just, a you know, felt like so, so refreshed and rejuvenated. I was ready to just hit the gas and, and head back to work and, uh, and, and continue to put my best foot forward. Uh, if, if I'd been treated as an officer, like, uh, like some other officers for some agencies and I'm not going to throw stones. Um, if I was just a number and again, not every agency is going to be able to control that. You get an agency like LAPD, that chief doesn't know who you are. Chief Moore does not know your name. My agency, my chief knows me by my first name. He knows my son's name. Uh, he knows my wife's name. It's just, it's going to be a little bit different uh, depending on the size of your agency. But um, I would say that, uh, that yeah, just listen to, uh, listen to your troops. Um, give a shit about them. But it's incumbent upon the troops and the new breed uh, you're coming into a profession that has a very storied and long history. It's been here for a long time. It'll be here for a long time after you leave. If you come in here and just bitch and moan constantly about work, about, oh, I didn't want to work graveyards. Well, tough shit. We all have to work graveyards at some point in time in our career. My lead FTO had never worked a graveyard shift in his life. Guess who's a graveyard sergeant now? Joke's on you, Adam. Uh, just kidding. Love you, buddy. Um, you will work nights. You will work weekends. You will work holidays and birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, agencies nowadays, I think, do their level best to give you time off. You you can you accrue vacation. It's up to you. How do you use it? Um there might be certain restrictions in place on how many people can be off a shift at a certain time. Uh, but don't think that you're going to come in as this bright eyed and bushy tailed 21 year old, and you're going to be the best fucking thing since sliced bread. You will get knocked on your ass every time you got to come in. You got to be willing to do the work. If you're not willing to do the work, don't show up. Don't even show up to the test. Because you're going to take that spot away from somebody else. Because you you might be, I don't know, two seconds faster on a 100-yard dash. But then you get in your first graveyard shift and you're like, this is bullshit. I don't want to work overnight. It's Christmas Eve. I want to be with my family. Okay, then you need to go work for a bank. And then you do leave. That's a slap in the face to the entire department and it's a slap in the face to whoever ran two seconds slower than you, because the only reason you beat them was because at that, at the initial outset of your testing process, you looked a little bit better on paper, but they were going to be a better worker, but it's hard to quantify that somebody's a better worker, especially in this job, because there's no other job like it. You could be the best, I don't know, forklift driver at home Depot but that doesn't equate to being a good cop. Uh, so uh, agencies uh, moving on from, from that, but still staying within that same question. Agencies need to get on the, 
the 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 social media train um you don't you don't need to do the the tiktok cop dance offs uh i don't think that's not required for community policing it's not required to be attractive um it could be something though as simple as making your website user friendly right if you've got a website that looks like it was written sometime around 2003 i'm just going to click out of it because it's a bitch to navigate. It looks like hell. And I don't want to, that right there, that is the face of your agency. That's like a billboard that somebody has just shit all over. So you've got to, you got to spend the money uh, and get your, your mark. It's a business, right? Um, truly, we are employees of an organization who uh, provide a service. That is that is the basic tenet of business. And if a business wants to attract, attract good employees, it starts with the face of that company. And the face of that business is no longer you go walking in through the door and you shake hands with the, the guy behind the desk and that's it. We're finding out about agencies. We the prospective employees are researching agencies, uh, you know, months in advance. Uh, I mean, there are people who, you know, like, uh, and I'll take, uh, Los Angeles, for example, uh, you grow up in Los Angeles, you go to school in Los Angeles, LA is the only thing that, you know, you grew up seeing the LAPD black and whites, uh, with the, uh, the button down pressed to uniform, the shi- the super shiny shoes. And that's all you ever wanted in life. You knew that you were only going to be an LAPD cop. It doesn't really matter to you what the LAPD website and Instagram look like. Um, however, right now, every agency is competing for the same candidate. And so you've got to be able to set yourself aside and stand out from the crowd. Because um, they're your, your future, uh, you know, narc detective or your future chief of police is sitting in their room right now with their laptop or they're scrolling on their phone and they're looking at these agencies trying to figure out where they want to go to work. Uh, there are some of these agencies, um, uh, Sheriff Marcano, uh, I might be screwing up his name. He's out in Florida. Um, that dude's social media is fire. Like he is, he's out in the helicopters. He's out on SWAT raids. Um, he, he's putting himself out there. I, I've never worked for him. I've never met the man. Um, Sheriff Lamb. I've never worked for Sheriff Lamb. I've never met him. Uh, I've met a shitload of his deputies and all of them have nothing but positive things to say about Sheriff Lamb of Pinal County. Um, He's somebody that I would be happy to go to work for. So you just got to be able to put yourself out there and market yourself appropriately as an agency and kind of shift the way that, that you think about hiring from you are privileged to come and work here. You're a lottery winner. It's, it ain't like that anymore. The, the tables have, have turned. Um, there's a handful of good candidates and there are 56 agencies out looking for them. What are you doing to stand apart? So those are my two cents though. That's an interesting question. I haven't really pondered that. And I do appreciate, uh, deputy one time asking me that um, more of like a administrative question. I don't get a lot of those. 
because I'm not an administrative person. Not yet. Maybe one day. Um, but, uh, yeah, Matt Thomas, uh, uh, Chief Deputy Thomas, he's been on the show before. I think he was out in 2021 or late 2020. Nope. 2021. Uh, he signed my flag here. I'm going to have to bring him back on the show and turn that question around right on him so that he has to, I'm going to put you in the hot seat, Matt, and have you answer that question, uh, and, and see what you think. Uh, uh, and on that, on that topic, I think that, uh, uh, there is merit in me bringing in some more administrative folks to talk about that that sort of strategic, that 30,000-foot view of the agencies because it's not something I can in good conscience speak on because I've never done that job before. Uh, there are a lot of police chiefs in America. I don't envy their job. Uh, I think they got a hard, hard job. Uh, everybody's kind of looking at them, wondering what the hell they're going to do. You need to uh, appease the masses. You got to keep your cops happy. Uh, you got to keep politicians happy. Uh, I, you're between a rock and a rock and another rock, and somewhere in there is a hard place as well. So uh, my hat's off to uh, to those of you in administration who are trying to do a good job. Um, don't just settle. Seek to be better. So I was planning on this being a 30-minute episode. I'm pretty sure that's what I told my wife, and here I am an hour and nine seconds later. Uh, I do really appreciate everybody listening to the show. Uh, that's all we got for uh, for Q and A tonight. I, I'll do this, you know, uh, a few times throughout the year as the channel gains traction and popularity. Uh, finally, hit north of a thousand uh, followers sounds really weird. It sounds very cultish. Instagram slash Meta Platforms Inc. A uh, thousand supporters uh, on Instagram, just north of there now. Pretty amazing stuff. And as the channel gains traction, I'm sure I will have more of these Q&A sessions down the road. Um, uh, hoping to have a, a few uh, interesting folks on the podcast here before uh, the holiday season rolls around. I know that it's only July, I know. Um, but in terms of scheduling uh, something like uh, podcast appearances, you you are literally talking months in advance uh, for some folks. So. Uh, hoping to have some good folks on, drop some knowledge bombs on us all. Uh, that is the point to this show is to give everybody a different viewpoint and a little bit of education along the way and maybe have some laughs. I'm going to take what's left of my old fashioned and I'm going to enjoy the rest of my Sunday night. I hope you all do the same, though it will be Tuesday morning when this episode drops. So I hope you all have an excellent rest of your work week. Stay safe and I'll see you on the road. 